Hello, EKN Nation. Welcome to our first edition of the EKN Debrief Podcast here for 2020, episode number 61 in total. It's Wednesday, January the 18th. Again, my name is Rob Howden. I joined here on the EKN Radio Network by David Cole. The event that we will be talking about today and really kind of taking a deep dive into really was the opening race of the 2020 season in terms of regional national competition. First one for our EKN Trackside Live Tour presented by Cooper Tires as well. Talking about the Supercarts USA Winter Series, rounds one and two at AMR Homestead Miami Motorplex, presented by MG Tires. Tremendous weekend, beautiful weather, record numbers down there for the Winter Series. A couple of cool things we'll talk about. Long podcast, lots to talk about, 13 different categories on the docket for the weekend. This show presented by the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy. If you want to improve your results, it's time for professional instruction and coaching at the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy. Located at the state-of-the-art Speed Sports Racing Park in just north of Houston, the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy offers custom coaching programs for newcomers and experienced racers alike. Train with the champion with over 30 years of experience to get proven results. Get ready for the big races by training with the best. Reserve your dates now by calling 866-607-7223. All right, David Cole, uh... I didn't text you too much over the weekend. Didn't message with you too much. I knew that it wasn't absolutely perfect up here in the northern climes, but not bad down in Florida. <laughs> it was pretty solid. Nice warm weather. We had some blue skies. Little rain here and there, but it was it was solid. It was a great weekend down in Florida. I think you can always count on getting a little bit of a rain shower any any weekend you're down in Florida. Anytime you're at way. Homestead, yeah, it there seems. Seems to always come there. I'm sure in February you'll have probably something Saturday or Sunday as well, too. So um, n- no surprise there. You know, it's Miami. It's always perfect <laughs> weather down there. And yeah. luckily, we were able to avoid any catastrophic storms here uh, in, in the Michigan area. So it was... Were, uh, weren't they called for one, though? Weren't they called oh, yeah, for it was, it was the apocalypse that was coming. <laughs> and it was merely a uh, a dew of, of rain. Wow. And All right. And a little bit of freezing, but nothing, nothing outrageous to where. Remember, if you recall last year when we were in Cal Speed, um, we were my my family was out of power for an entire weekend while I was yeah. gone, and it came back yeah. on when I returned. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it was nothing like that whatsoever. Well, it, uh, they had lots of power down in Florida. It was a absolutely tremendous weekend, as I said. The third edition of the Supercarts USA Winter Series. They restarted this thing uh, back in 2018. During the broadcast, I, I talked about the fact that when I first started Shift to Card Illustrated magazine, I, I want to say, I think like the second trip I took have, after having started the magazine, the first, of course, was uh, um, was the Super Nationals that year. But I went to uh, track in Hialeah, Florida for the second round of the Super Carts USA Florida Winter Tour back then. Joe Janowski was the race director. Jim Burley was running it. Tom Thielen was on the uh, uh, was doing a lot, doing the, the timing and scoring. Elio Castro Neves was there racing. It was uh, Janowski was a race director. Well, here's the here's the story. Janowski and Todd Ballou from Shiftworks right. was the uh, track the track magic dealer. He works to work at Honda of Troy. Uh, Todd now works for Aero Aero Schmidt Peterson Motorsports or whatever it is. Aero Peterson Schmidt Peterson Racing, whatever. No, Aero McLaren SP. Come on, Rob, get it right. They went down, and Janowski was going to race. He was supposed to go run the track magic. Well, when they got there, of course, everybody's hanging out on the Friday or whatever it was before racing. Victor uh, Gonzalez, who was a Florida racer, ended up talking to Todd Ballou and renting the ride. <laughs> so essentially, Janowski got kicked out of his ride by Ballou, 
well, his dad owned the series, so we need a race director. So Joe was the race director. And Gonzalez went on to win the race in his cart. Well, I, I'm sure I'm sure Joe's had a lot of people drive his cart and do it better than him. So, <laughs> wow! <laughs> right off, right out of the gate, folks. We haven't even got to the by the numbers. It's 2020. <laughs> we haven't got. It is 2020. Uh, anyway, so as I said, it's it's been essentially over 20 something, 22 years, I guess 21, 22 years since uh, Scoos actually started the Florida Winter Tour. They brought it back in 2018 as kind of you know a, a winter training, get things dialed in for the. Uh, for the pro tour, the winter nationals came in right that time as well. So, Hey, let's have a couple of races in January and February. Guys can dial things in with their equipment. And then the first weekend of March, we'll go racing with the pro tour. Uh, great racetrack. I, I personally, it's one of my favorites to drive on at AMR Homestead, Miami motorplex, uh, presented by MG tires, 12 turn racetrack, a lot of 90 degree corners. It's a, it's a, it's a hot, it's a fast flowing track, a couple of hairpins, the inner part of the racetrack, a double apex right-hander into a, a tight left-hander. Lots of opportunities to pass. We saw six, David, six different passing opportunities that I was able to see throughout the weekend. Uh, turn one, opening uh, 90 degree, both the turn four and turn five hairpins, of course. Uh, that turn seven and eight on the inside, guys were making the move on the inside. And if you didn't get through there well, back to turn nine. We saw guys making a pass in turn nine. Not many times did that pass happen, though, David without a bunch of contact <laughs> because the guy on the outside's turning in, the other guy's coming through. We saw guys go over top of the curbing on the outside um, of that corner. And then of course, coming down the straightaway into the final, uh, final corner, the final left-hand 90 degree. We saw lots of passes there and a bunch of them actually ended up being for either race wins or coming up just short. One of the things about the racetrack, David, a lot, a lot of people talked about was the fact that the curbing is, is really aggressive. It's pretty high there when you get over top of the curbing. And if you have to, coming out of the, some of these 90s, it's going to grab you. And you're, you'll see a lot of guys get shot, you know, 10 feet to the outside of the racetrack and come back on. It's a it's a parking lot track. So there's no grass everywhere. Once you go off the racetrack, you just come back on further down the racetrack. But otherwise, weather was good. Pretty windy throughout the weekend. Uh, temps in the high 70s, low 80s. Uh, we had rain on Friday night, so the track was still a little damp come practice on Saturday morning. But we did get hit with about a five-minute hardcore rain shower right before the start of the X30 Senior Pre-Finals on Sunday. Took a 20-minute break. Uh, track dried because of the wind. Threw our guys out there. We were 10 seconds off the pace early. And by the end of the uh, that the, the race, which was, I think, 13 laps for the pre-finals, they were back down to within a second. So the track dried really quickly. But all in all, great track. Uh, and I'll say this, I think I say it later on in the paddock pass. We'll talk about no red flags. And you don't talk about that, David, at all, right? Before the weekend's over. But the minute you're let, you're done, no red flags. And um, the Florida Winter Tour is a place where in years past, 10 years ago, there was a lot of red flags. We had the occasional helicopter life flight. It was uh, it was pretty crazy back then. The racing, if you, if, you, if you look at that, David, stark contrast to what we had a decade ago. Some of it has to do with a little bit of the safety innovations that we've had with full rear bumpers uh, before we didn't have full rear bumpers. So there was a lot of carts getting yep. launched over one another. Uh, and you typically don't see that anymore now with our full bumpers, even though it has brought on the pushback bumper, which is on the front. <laughs> so uh, a little bit of the innovation has kind of helped with that. Um, and that helps with the, some of the starts. And that's where a lot of the starts were bringing out red flags where guys were just plowing in through like a like yeah. a snowplow uh into the for opening corner so that certainly helps um you talked a little bit about the racetrack and you, i know we don't have it down in the paddock pass but uh you the, the track being uh what it was was there any any type of um exceeding the track limits issues uh throughout the weekend 
No, that, that's something that did not happen. As we we talked about in the Outlap preview podcast last week, they put down some kind of rumbles or, you know, kind of curbing on the outside, uh, speed bumps, if you will, on the outside of turn number one. No, no issues that I heard of whatsoever. If you look down at the uh, uh, at the results, they didn't have to penalize anybody. No, everybody everybody played nice, and, and what Scusa did handle that. And so it really did kind of change the way things uh the way things were last year. We didn't have any issues with, with track limits and it also tightened things up. And I think the racing was better for it, to be honest. So we might see a little bit of it next month when we go in the opposite direction. That's a possibility. Gotcha. Yeah. The other direction could change it. We will see. Uh, all in all, we, you know, you talked about the safety uh, uh, evolutions throughout the last number of years. And at the end of the straightaway was a place uh, that we used to normally see a lot of contact. Guys would, like you said, coming together, they're pitching each other, they're climbing over top. We said we'd see drivers again. We don't see that so much these days, but the front wheels, rear wheels coming together, you'd pop up and a guy would be upside down. And at the speeds they have at the end of the straightaway, he'd be straight into the barriers at the end of the, at the end of the straightaway. And we just don't see that stuff anymore, which is amazing. And, uh, and it's a great point, David, to, to bring up the fact that uh, the safety innovations we've had have changed a lot about the racing. Yeah, there's still a lot of contact. There's an injury here or there, but it's nothing like what we had 10 years ago. And I think people don't remember that, especially those who haven't been in the sport for 10 years. They don't have that frame of reference that we do, right? No, exactly that. I mean, a lot of innovation and a lot of changes happened in our sport over the past decade, and safety is one of them, not only around the carts, but also head and neck area and obviously rib protection. We've seen it um, evolve from from the early days in the late 90s uh, until now. So a lot of safety innovations uh, all across the board. And as you said, around the racetrack with with the different uh, barriers and that uh, that we see around the racetracks. Let's uh, now that we're into the overview of the opening round of the Supercarts USA Winter Series, which took place, place this last weekend in Homestead, we'll jump into the by the numbers where we kind of have a look at the class numbers. Uh, 2019, last year, 235 entries. They ended up, uh, we had the pre-entry of 229. When I talked to Lindsey Fox in the uh, in the timing and scoring, we looked it up. 241 total entries with a late entry coming in on Sunday. Micro Swift, the same as last year at 19. Mini Swift, essentially the same at 31. Uh, X30 Junior, down 9 from 54 to 45. But how do you sneeze at a 45-cart grid? X30 Senior, down 1 from 54 to 53. Still massive. We had to have two. They, they split qualifying. Took the qualifying, then split into two pre-finals. Top 15 from each pre-final went into the main event. LCQ top 14 winning from there. Those were some great racing. Masters was one of the big ones, and I, I we'll have to look more at that. I'd like to go back and look at the guys that weren't there this weekend. We'll see whether potentially they're running this particular weekend coming up at the Florida Winter Tour on a rock instead. 21 drivers last year, only 11 this year. Uh, to be honest, the shifter stuff, uh, I actually went – I do have my notes right in front of me. I do, actually. It was interesting because I, when I was doing the race report, I was looking at the shifter stuff. You look last year, of course, was the, the debut of the IME 175. It hasn't had the best launch. Great article by Billy Musgrave we have on the website, if you haven't read it, written it yet, folks, where he talks about kind of the evolution, everybody getting used to the engine, the issues they had with some of the wrong needles or going in the wrong spots in the carburetor, uh, everybody kind of getting a feel for how to drive it. It's, get, it. it's getting there. We had, I think, 39 drivers in pro shift or the combined pro one, pro two class at the Supernats. So last year, we had 12 drivers in total in the Pro Shifter class. We had six drivers in total in G1. This time, we had eight drivers split between Pro 1 and Pro 2, because last year was all only one class, and four drivers in G1. So yeah, we had essentially 66% of the entry. The thing I looked at, David, and this is because this is I, somebody I was 
I wanted to bring this up with somebody asking where those carts come from. So 39 drivers at the Supernats last year, 17 of those drivers, West Coast drivers. Five of them were international from other parts of the of the world. So we're, there we are at 22. That leaves us with 17 drivers, uh, essentially, on the East. Uh, a couple of guys were working. <laughs> Jake French and uh, Dalton Neger were, were actually wrenching. Uh, and then you got five drivers from the from the middle of the country, Texas, Minneapolis, and only 11 from the East Coast. So I thought that was kind of interesting. We ended up with eight drivers. And if you look at the, if you look at what we had, we ended up having a couple of guys from the West and a couple of guys from the East. But again, for me, it's just one of those things. I just don't think really there's enough guys on the on the West Coast or the East Coast rather to fill a grid. There's definitely a handful of the guys from the Magic. Uh, Magic Crew, AJ Myers, uh, Andrew Bedozo, and uh, Roy Vandersteuer. I think are going to be racing Rock this weekend. They probably not, didn't want to go back and forth. But David, you mentioned it earlier in our outlap as well that it just seems like that the the shifter guys don't want to run sixteen weekends a year. They want to do eight to ten. Right? We've seen that in our in our driver rankings. Yeah, shifters a little bit different than your X thirty junior or Rock junior. You know, back and forth or your your uh, X30 senior to, to rock senior or Matt, even masters, you know, the, the swap there, it's not a lot to, to, to change there, but it's a different mentality when you go from the 175 to the rock engine. And as you, as we said, guys don't want to race 16 times. It's, it's, I, you know, there, there's guys in the Midwest who, I mean, you had a few go down there to Florida, but uh, they, they just don't have the, the need to go down and race in Florida for two months before they go over to NOLA for the, uh, for the pro tour race. And, yeah. and so again, it's, it shifters is a, is a unique, uh, area in our sport. Um, you know, it's, it's where Supercarts USA began, but obviously the organization has transitioned into the new era that it is now. And, you know, stock Honda was really big in 2010 when the pro tour started. Now we don't have stock Honda. So, uh, it, things things evolve and and the sport evolves itself just like safety uh engine packages evolve as well and, and mindsets of racers so that's one thing that uh, is always a moving target you're never going to be able to to satisfy everybody um you just have to plug along with what you believe in and go forward and i think that's what supercarts usa is doing with the 175 and and as you said we had 39 guys there at super nationals i still think super nationals is going to be the one the big one that guys are going to come and race. But like you said, some guys are wrenching. Yeah. Some guys are focused on other programs in the early months of the year. and Or some guys just aren't even focused on racing yet until the summer months hit. Well, you said it there, Dave. You know, at the very start, remember, Scoos has been around for, I think this is like the 27th year, right? 93, I believe, the first year. So 2020 would be 17, uh, 27. It's evolving, like you said. Uh it's the the number of, of categories. Remember, there was a time at the Supernats where there was no juniors. It was all seniors. Uh, there was at one time it was all shifters, and now it's just kind of transitioned the national program. You take away the shifters, the twelve shifters, and they had two hundred and twenty nine uh, single speed carts. So it's still a massive event at two twenty nine. So let's we'll see. Scoos has got a lot of work to do on their shifter program. It is what it is right now, and uh, we'll see how, how they're able to develop it. Let's go from that to a major positive. Uh, number one in the K one hundred junior and senior classes, David. This has always been a big jump for them. Eighteen drivers last year at the opening round of the Winter Series in K one hundred junior. They had another seven to go to twenty five. It was a great field. Only two or three drivers were in K one hundred senior last year. Fifteen in total. 
uh, in this particular weekend. And we had great racing up front with Austin Osborne and Santino Ferrucci and Colton Ramsey and Julia Booz and Nate Cicero. And it was it was tremendous to watch. The, the KO 100 is fun to watch, and they put on a great show all weekend long. And again, that's the dynamic of where the sport is right now. People are enjoying the grassroots type engine platforms and compared to the F1 style engine platforms, which is shifter carts. You know, people are in, are, are kind of, they have that nostalgia for a hundred CC racing here in the United yeah, States. I agree. It's part of it. And I think the K 100 and next week, the VLR uh, at uh, rock cup USA, uh, you know, is, is bringing that back. And so, the numbers have gone up in there. We saw at the Super Nationals the last two years that those two categories are amazing and sold out and produce just great racing. And then that's what people want. People want to to be able to to have a chance to to compete. And sometimes in the shifter ranks, it's a pro category. Let's be honest. It's a pro category. Yeah. You got to put in the work. And Billy Musgrave has shown that year after year to, to do that. And so Kyle Wick has done it. AJ Myers has done it as, as far as pro tour champions, but they had to put in the work. And so a lot of people just, just want to get in and race. And that's, that's where the, the hundred CC categories uh, provide that opportunity. Uh, last but not least, uh, one of the big highlights, of course, was the addition of the Margate Ignite program to the Scusa Winter Series this year. Uh, Margate guys had a great time. Last year in the 206 categories, they drew five in, in senior and eight in masters, uh, a total of 29 uh, on the on the, on the 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 grid for Ignite, uh, the Ignite guys, 13 in the senior class, 16 in the masters class. Talking to Margate's uh, Sean Kennedy at the end of the day on Sunday, everybody that had an arrive and drive for the first race, David, re-signed and re-up for the next race in February. They got a lot more interest. They, they think they're going to roll with more than 40 drivers when they get back in February. So the, it you know, the, the series, the winter series, the two races at Homestead, the first two races of the Margay uh, Ignite majors, the major events, including the Quincy uh, Grand Prix, Battle of the Brickyard, Elkhart Grand Prix, and the, uh, the Rock Island Grand Prix. So I, I love it. I, they put on a great show. You throw Gabby Chavez, Santino Ferrucci in there to run with some of the big dogs. You get good old James uh, Perkins to come out, 54 years of age, and, and but running with the kids, ends up winning in the opening round. We'll talk about that later. Uh, just all in all, a really good addition to the program to, to and, and get people having a good time, David. That's what it's all about, right? People having fun. One of the questions going in was, did they split the starts? That's one thing I wasn't able to tune into to some they of the did. races. So they, they did, did split. It looked like well, they did, and I wasn't quite sure, so I thought I'd ask. They split Margay. They did not split Shifter. Well, well, that's a little different when you only Shifter. have four, you know, <laughs> four and four. That's a little different. But uh, it was really cool to see them reach the uh, the almost thirty total with there with uh, with twenty nine drivers. And as you they said, had, they had thirty entries, but I think somebody got sick and couldn't come. I you you should you should have jumped in, or you should have had Alicia jump in. She should have jumped in. That would have been a great idea. There you go. Hey, what one other thing I want to add here, David, because because looking at by the numbers here, uh, it was interesting to me as I was driving home. I was thinking, okay, hey, which of the national champions from last year are racing this weekend? Or race this weekend? So Kyle Wick in in Pro Shifter, mm-hmm. uh, Race Liberante Pro Two. He yep. moved up to Pro the Pro Class. Jack Iliff in mm-hmm. Micro, mm-hmm. Uh, Austin Osborne in uh, K100 Senior, mm-hmm. and Ryan Norbert. Five drivers, five of the five of the drivers. Six. Uh, you're missing one. That's who am I missing? Oh no, he wasn't there. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah, no. All right. Yeah, you're right. 
Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> Jordan Musser not there. Brett Harrelson not there. Kai Sorensen. Connor Zilich. Freddie Slater. And uh, Piercing itself was not there. Yep. Um, I, who else? I have one. Who do, am I missing here? I have wrenching. My notes, but of course I scribbled it. Yeah, well, that's terrible. I, uh, so, yeah, Kai Sorensen was not there. Uh, Freddie Slater not there. Um, who was expert? Johnson. Who was expert? master? Oh, Matt Johnson. There you go, Matt Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Matt Johnson. He was wrenching. wrenching. He was working for National Motorsports. Uh, National Motorsports. Yeah. Nash, Jordan Nash Motorsports. not so there. Uh, yeah. yeah, so. Freddie Slater yeah. and John Pearson. Yeah. yeah. So. so five guys were there. I like that. And the guys, some of the guys that weren't there, obviously Musser, I'm not sure if he's going to run this year. Harrelson, uh, West Coast guy. Sorensen's going to be running in Italy. We got more on that coming. I don't know where Connor Zilich was. I'm assuming he potentially is racing this weekend. Maybe just pick- racing this weekend okay. and then heading over to Europe as well. There too. you go. Lots. That's something we're going to do this year, folks, on EKN. We're going to uh, have a, a regular feature following the uh, American drivers running in Europe this year. There's going to be a handful of them, so we'll make sure we dial that in on a regular basis. Well, David, we're underway. First page done here on what? There's a lot of pages. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, we'll blast through it all, though. This is episode 61 of the EKN Debrief. We're talking about the Supercarts USA Winter Series opener from Homestead, Florida. Uh, Stay with us, folks. After this break, we'll come back with the Paddock Pass. Fast, fair, and fun. The Margay Ignite Spec Karting Program offers you all of that at an affordable price. The all-new IgniteKarting.com page provides you with the information you need to fuel your passion for kart racing. Ignite Karting is a spec package that includes the Margay Racing Chassis with a Briggs & Stratton 206 engine package and the Hoosier R80 tire. An Ignite K2 is designed for ages 8 to 12, while the Ignite K3 is available for junior, senior, and master's drivers. The 2020 season has a handful of major events for Ignite Karting. The historic Quincy Grand Prix is set for June 13th and 14th, racing through the city's famed South Park. The USAC Karting Battle at the Brickyard on July 14th, 15th, 16th is held inside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway where you have a chance to take a lap around the famed 2.5-mile oval and the special Yard of Bricks. All information on events throughout the country and Ignite Kart packages, including dealers in your area, are available at IgniteKarting.com. Head there now to register for the upcoming Scusa Winter Series event on February 7th, 8th, and 9th at AMR Motorplex in Homestead, Florida. Arrive and Drive packages are still available. So get off the couch and onto the track this year. Ignite Karting. Fuel your passion. Acceleration Kart Racing is your first and only stop on the internet for carts, parts, and safety gear to get you on the track. ShopAKRA.com offers a great selection of karting equipment on a user-friendly website. Acceleration Kart Racing has aligned itself with many of the top manufacturers and distributors in the sport, to ensure that all the latest equipment is available to you, the consumer. With customer support available six days a week, you can be confident about getting the right parts at the right price. Be sure to visit shopakra.com today or stop by their headquarters in Las Vegas. Also, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest specials, clearance items, and new products. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, episode number 61 of the EKN Debrief. We are reporting on the opening round of the Scuzo Winter Series, now jumping into the Paddock Pass presented by Briggs Racing. 
Briggs & Stratton is powering Operation Grassroots around the world. No other manufacturer is getting new and returning drivers to the car track like the Briggs 206. The out-of-the-box performance provides the most fun, excitement, and reliability of any karting engine on the global market. Learn more about the 206 engine and the history behind Briggs & Stratton's century-long commitment to motorsports at www.briggsracing.com. Briggs & Stratton Racing, what powers you? All right, David, got a couple notes here for the paddock pass of stuff that happened uh, you know, away from the track itself. Overall, and I mentioned this already, just a really good vibe. I think that a lot of people were just happy to get back to the track, back to racing after a long break. You know, for a lot of the guys, they their last race was the Supernats. Some people, even longer than that. I think they were just happy to be there, you know, rekindling old friendships, getting the heck out of the snow. It was just, it was fun to be there. People were happy. It was a great vibe. Yeah, and that and that's what Miami does, isn't it? You know, warm weather uh, back yeah. at the racetrack because that's that's one of the things too is a lot of people had the whole month of December where they're away from the racetrack, and so January and the Scusa Winter Series provides that that itch, that racing itch, and just being at the racetrack vibe um, that uh, everybody craves for in in our sport. You know, uh, obviously, a couple of the cool things, as uh, I mentioned before, pro drivers Santino Ferrucci and Gabby Chavez were in the house. Uh, Brucci was going to run three classes. And I, I'm not sure how much of the of X30 senior he ran on Saturday, if he ran the whole thing or not. He elected only to run the two classes on Sunday. So he's running Marga Ignite, K100 senior, and X30, racing with Chris Rock Motorsports on a Swiss Hutless. We don't see a lot of those, of course, outside the Northeast. Uh, but he ran the WK Kart Week as well. And then as we found out, I didn't, didn't know this actually, once I got home watching social media, he flew straight from Homestead to, to Tulsa, uh, for the Chili Bowl <laughs> this weekend. So he's getting a lot of seat time before uh, before testing starts for this year's IndyCar Series. Yeah, a lot of uh, um, test or just just kind of muscle working. You know, it's it's better than iRacing, right? To get out there and get on the racetrack. Yeah. It's better than sitting at a simulator. So, you know, karting, he was at Daytona Kart Week, goes to um, uh, Scusa Winter Series and now flying over and doing uh, the Chili Bowl, which is something he's never, ever done before, I don't believe. So it's first time in no, in, in so. a dirt car uh, like this before at an amazing event like as it is. Um, so you know, again, he's got till what I believe it was February one that he uh, he can do whatever he needs to do uh, away from the IndyCar before he's contractually obligated obligated to uh, stay away from any kind of uh, motorsport. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> well, here's the interesting thing too. So he's an X30 senior and was decent was you know he was i think he qualified near the top of the first group the slower group so kind of right in the middle of qualifying um and when i talked to him on sunday it was just you know i don't think i really want to be in the middle of that group right now he's you got to think about your career and i understand that because it gets a little chaotic sometimes in the middle of an x30 field what i think is a positive is i think it speaks volumes for the confidence that he had running with the guys in the Marge Ignite class and the guys at the front of ka100 senior when we get to the race, the race, we talk about the drivers that were there, David. These are guys you can race wheel to wheel with. It's not crazy. You know, you're talking about national champions, the guys that have won Route 66, USPKS, WK championships, Scusa championships, the Margay Ignite guys he's racing with, right? You know, Chavez and Perkins and, and Skolnick and Alexander Searle and Stommer. You know, there was the where he was racing in those other categories is where guys trust each other and take care of each other and the racing's clean. Middle X 30 senior. You got some young guys that maybe, you know, they're trying to race against an IndyCar guy and getting a little over aggressive. I can understand him backing out saying maybe that's 
not the place I need to be right now. Well, and to go three classes, like nobody does that anymore. I mean, it, it's, it, he used to back in his cadet days, we talked about that in the outlap, you know, yeah. that, that was the last time he was at WK was when he was in juniors. And when he was in his cadet, he used to do Comer, used to do Yamaha, used to do HPV all in the same day. So six classes on the weekend because of the three on Saturday, three on Sunday. So yeah, it's just, uh, it's not exactly what it used to be to be able to do that, uh, especially with the, the time uh, constraints that we're under. Now that we have 13 classes, though, it's a little bit more, e- a little bit more time between between yeah. races, but uh, but still on the body. And, and as you said, the, the competition in X30 uh, senior is really, it's it's your 14 to 18 year old kids. And, and it's, if, if you're outside of that, it's sometimes it's not a lot of fun unless you're a Ryan Norberg or Brandon Jarscrack. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, this edition of the Paddock Pass, part of our ECAN debrief brought to you by Briggs Racing. Uh, just a couple other things. I'd already really mentioned about the vibe in, in the Margate tent. Um, you know, you, you go to these national races, even though it's a, kind of the winter series deal and if people are getting dialed in, it's serious racing. It's always nice to walk into the Margate tent, see all the smiles. Everybody was having a fantastic time. You know, guys high-fiving each other. The the cool thing about the Ignite class, you know, even with the Masters guys, you've got guys from who are 30 years of age. You've got guys who are probably in their you know late 50s or 60s, which I think is amazing. Great vibe in there. You know, just the way they do it. I wrote about the article in uh, uh, my trip to the Battle of the Brickyard to run Ignite, which I, I hope to do again in 2020. You know, they had Chipotle again one day for lunch. They had Olive Garden one day for lunch. I missed the Chipotle, but I made sure to come over for Olive Garden. Yeah, they just take care of their people. Such a great vibe in there. But they, to cap off the Paddock Pass, I just think we talked about it again at the start. Just clean racing overall. Yeah, guys were bitching and complaining a little bit about contact. This guy wrecked me. It's hardcore racing. And, you know, it's, it, people, are make, people make good decisions. People make bad decisions. People attempt high-risk moves, low-risk moves. You know, there's just uh, – it's, it's going to happen. It's motorsports. You, you get contact. But overall, I think the racing was pretty good. There was – I will bring one thing up here in the paddock pass. Joe Janowski kind of had to drop the, the hammer a bit because we've talked about the pushback. Well, there was a couple instances, and, and Joe was out in the middle of the racetrack, and he actually saw one driver do it. I, I never asked him which one it actually was. I guess guys on the cool down lap were kind of getting going. If somebody was and kind of let people catch up behind them and slamming the brakes off. So they were essentially, you know, locking it up to kind of get the activation on the bumper for the guy behind them. Um, they ended up, uh, they ended up putting a, a, an alert out on the SCUSA app saying, if that, if anyone sees you purposely uh, slow, alter your speed on a cool down lap, you will be decued from the weekend. And one driver actually getting caught, Zachary Clayman de Mello. Uh, they caught him on 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 Sunday after the X30 senior main and actually excluded him from the race. So that's something that the people are going to be watching for now because, you know, guys rolling in, Dave, to the pit lane like they do. They come in, come in hot and the guy in front of them, we get guys that lock it up or whatever. If you're driving with a pushback bumper right now, when, the, when that checkered flag flies, you better be super smart and not getting anywhere close to the guy in front of you. Let me go back to Margay first, and then I'll then I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, Do it. The Margay tent. Um, I just kind of wanted to say it's it's a great vibe because it's a lot of mixture of of um, level of experience. There's a lot of guys yeah. that are in there who have been in the sport for years, and there's a lot of new people in. So it's a great mixture. A lot of learning going on. A lot of you know just general discussions of uh, and of uh, of the sport, and then outside the sport. So yeah, it's always great to be at the uh at the uh, margate tent but uh regarding the pushback bumper that's always been something that 
people have talked about since it began, since it's, it was instituted, uh, was was brake checking. Um, and, and it's yeah. why it's why I don't understand and I'll never understand it because nobody can explain it to me why on cooldown laps, everybody races to the <laughs> to the scale. <laughs> don't race. Slow down. Take your time. Get there when you get there. Stay away from anybody. You know, if you want to wave to somebody, wave to somebody. But I mean, it's just make, it makes no sense to race a full lap again to get back to scales first. I mean, everybody's got to wait in line. It's it's kind of like traffic, like just take your time. You'll get there when you get there. And it, yeah, and so brake checking was always going to be something that uh, was going to have to be watched. And um, obviously it some people can get around it around the cameras with it and so maybe we have to go back to more visuals on the uh, on the cooldown laps yeah well that's why corner workers are there it's going to happen for sure here with supercarts usa i guarantee they'll be uh looking out for it when we get back to florida in february all right folks another break in the action here we get back let's start talking about some of the action that we actually had on the racetrack itself we'll uh, jump into the race report after this break at solo cart usa Designing and manufacturing the most driver-friendly carts has been our goal from the very beginning. Design, build, test, and then race. Over and over and over until it's perfect. The result is a cart that gives you complete confidence, knowing that the equipment can get the job done and you can focus on what separates every field in karting. Driver talent. How do you know how to tune your team's chassis if you're not driving it yourself? At Solo Kart USA... We drive our own carts, and we race regularly. Solo Kart is our program, and we race what we sell. Every lap we turn, at tracks all over the country, provides information and feedback that we use in further developing our chassis. After four years of dedicated testing and competition, our Solo Kart USA program is exactly where we want it. It's ready for you. Louis Westover put our Solo Kart SK2 on the X30 Senior Podium at the opening round of the Supercarts USA Winter Series in January, topping 50 other drivers. And our own Adam Pettit followed suit with a second-place finish in X30 Master. Check out www.solocartusa.com to learn more and break away from the pack. Trader, Evans, Seligren, Birdsoul. Karting legends are created here at the Quincy Grand Prix. This is Randy Kugler, the voice of this iconic event. On June 13th and 14th, competition karts will rip around the spectacular and beautiful 1.2-mile circuit set out inside the South Park of Quincy, Illinois for the 33rd time since 1970. The 2020 edition of the Quincy Grand Prix marks the 50th anniversary of the first time carters raced around this historic venue. To celebrate the event, a $10,000 cash purse has been established for the four pro classes competing on the weekend. A total of 11 categories will be competing for the unique trophy given to all race winners, the Gussie, designed and named after the original race founder, Gus Trader. Registration is now open, so don't wait and enter now at QuincyGrandPrix.com and become a legendary. We'll see you at the park. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, episode number 61 of the EKN Debrief, as David Cole and I break down the Supercarts USA Winter Series opening rounds, rounds one and two from Homestead, Florida. The race report today brought to you by Franklin Motorsports. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry with over 50 years of combined karting experience, and they can provide you with everything you need to go racing. 
With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a wide variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. They specialize in IME engines, tilted seats, and of course, the championship-winning Merlin chassis. They've been supplying racers with start-to-finish support at race events for years, from providing a, a helping hand on a weekday test outing or at a club event, to full arrive-and-drive packages at the highest level of karting competition. For all things karting, visit franklinkart.com. All right, David, I guess I'll be doing the heavy lifting here, seeing as I was sent you to one track side, and I have no doubt that you were not tuned into the ECAN radio network <laughs> instead of hanging out with the family, which is fine. You hear my voice enough. I, I, I don't want to listen to you any more than I have to, but I was hey. tuned, I was tuned into the Scusa app at least every every other half hour to uh, to see what kind of results <laughs> were coming across. All right, let me rock and roll through X30 Senior. Saturday, we'll start out qualifying Ryan Norberg out of the gate uh, impressively in the Rawlison Performance, Performance Group Cosmic. Sound like you right now, Cole. <laughs> um, and reigning champion, of course, last year's Winter Series. Knows this track extremely well. Four-time Pro Tour, his consecutive reigning champion, so not surprising he did well. Uh, two pre-finals, as I said, though. So they took the qualifying, separated 50... Uh, uh, 27 and 26, because there's 53, 15 moving straight on. Sebastian Montoya really good out of the box for Team Montoya on his Tony cart. He won the first pre-final. Norberg, of course, kept things rolling in the uh, the second pre-final. And then in the main event, he and Patrick Woods-Toth running out, David, to uh, to the lead, working together. They weren't battling. They pulled away. Remember last year, Woods-Toth raced with Rawlson Performance Group. He was kind of uh, Norberg's protege for the weekend. Did extremely well. They had some good results. Norberg won the championship. And this time it was the kind of the teacher and the people going back and forth because Woods Toth now running with Prime Power Team on the Burrell Art, Trevor Wickens' program, who he runs with back in Canada on a regular basis. He came down with that team uh, this weekend. And David, it was a it was a knockdown, drag out battle. They pulled out to the lead. And it was one of those deals where th- this was one of those last laps where I'm definitely going to grab a hold of the, res- the, uh, the um, audio. We're going to clip it. And we're going to talk about it. Maybe throw it over top of some video. Maybe we can get some video back and forth because Davis was back hardcore. Norberg takes the lead. Let's, here's the real the deal on it. Norberg takes the lead in the final laps. And the thing about this racetrack is as soon as you go on the defensive, it brings everybody else back in. Now, nobody was close enough to get, to get into the fight. So they go from four to five. Hairpin four, four down to hairpin five. Norberg's on the inside. Run that inside line. Patrick Woods talk, looking to do the outside. Well, Norberg short breaks, right? Make sure that there's no chance for an over-under. Leads it out of out of six, over through the double apex right hand, seven and eight. Got the lead through nine and ten, down the straightaway. Norberg's like, what do I do? Kind of in the middle of the racetrack. Woods toss stays to the outside. Norberg, again, tr- kind of trying that late, you know, the, the, the early break, but extending the break so that he can't do the over-under. No way. Woods toss on the cushion, outside. The way the track's laid out, there's 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 rumbles on the outside of the track, but there's a good probably 15 feet or more, maybe 20 feet, to the barriers that, that you know that start coming closer and closer to the to start finish the, the line once they get there. So there's, there's a runoff, but you got to get back on the track. Woods Toth all the way around the outside of him and holds it, and Norberg had nothing to do it, and Woods Toth able to beat him to the line. It was awesome. People were yelling and screaming uh, from the sidelines. It was just Dave, one of those one on one last lap epic battles. I don't want to ruin the moment, but did he exceed the track limits? Well, they weren't calling track limits there at all on the yeah. exit of that corner. So yeah, <laughs> no, no track limits there. And and I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was all the way outside the curbing, but that's not 
that's not something they were even talking about at that point. So at yeah. a real racetrack, it would have been grass. So like think think of when you think about Newcastle uh, and the last he'd be in the, the grass. old la- the old last corner <laughs> yeah. he would have been in the grass. Yeah. Gotcha. He would have been in the grass, but there's no grass here, and that's a, that's really part of the racetrack. Almost everybody at a fast lap is going on the either straddling or just on the other side of the, of the of the curb. That's not they don't use that as they never said that that was track limits. Which would totally change that racetrack, right? And, and that's what way. I would like to see them to change the racetrack totally. That's well, that's the whole idea, if right? They did, <laughs> yes. If they did that, David, it would make, it would make that inside line that that blocking move into twelve so tough because the over under right. would be so easy. So to then do, you can't block, right? which is great. That's what we don't, we don't want to see blocking. We want to see racing. Trust me, David. Even with this, there wasn't much blocking because we had a couple of moves around the outside like that that were absolutely thrilling. Anyways, the other big story of that one there really was the run by Louis Westover, the uh, young British driver, former X30 uh, junior British champion, coming over to run with Solo Kart USA. You know, there was three guys there. It was Louis Westover, Adam Pettit, and Sal Sparacio, three drivers. They ended up with five, uh, four, four podiums? They ended up with four podiums among three guys uh, in X30 Senior and X30 Junior. Uh, five, five no, two podiums, pardon me, two podiums, four top fives, because Louis ends up finishing fifth uh, on the, the second day of competition. But he had a great run, worked his way past a bunch of guys. And really, Louis struggled a bit early in the week. And not struggled. He was battling with learning the track. Not, not a lot of flat parking lot races uh, in England, David. Uh, so by the time he got a good feel for the surface, the track itself, the curbing, he found more speed and it was a huge result for the solo cart USA guys. They've been working hard on developing their chassis, getting it to where they want it to be. And uh, I think they were super pleased that they could get a kid that came over, hopped in the seat and was able to beat essentially 50 other drivers in the category against all the, you know, all the big name chassis, all the big name drivers. He ends up coming P3. It was massive. Well, and that's where track time, especially at Homestead, is very valuable because, as you said, getting getting adjusted to what those curbs will do to you because some drivers know exactly what the curbs will do each and every corner. So you have 12 corners with 12 different curbs. So you got to learn each one and, and find those limits. And, uh, you know, Louis is an accomplished racer, and so he was able to adapt quickly. And as you said, Saturday was able to get on the podium. Really, uh, really complimentary to the guys at Solo Kart USA as, as well. When I talked about them, he just loved the fact that they had this, they had this absolute dedication to success and perfection. They want to keep dialing things in, and and uh, I look for some big things out of the Solo Kart guys this year. I want to see what Louis going to do. He's he's going to be back for the next Winter Series race. I haven't talked to Adam Petty yet whether or not they're going to run him at the whole Pro Tour. Is he going to run the F Series with the team? They run the entire F Series. We'll see. This could be interesting to see, but uh, he definitely made a statement for sure. Speaking of statements, David. Let's look at Sunday's race because Hannah Greenmeyer comes out of the gate for for Rawlison Performance Group. She qualifies on the pole position. Uh, Jacob Gulick, another Rawlison Performance Group driver on the Cosmic, wins the first pre-final. Jao Corbellini, another Rawlison Performance Group Cosmic, wins the second pre-final. And then the main event, uh, it it really was some pretty amazing racing. Hannah really kind of handled the day. But at the start of the race, you know what it's like, David, when – couple of guys get get you on the inside of a corner and you're just you're you're not in the right place that takes you so long to get back to where you need to be on the racetrack she ended up getting shuffled down by the end of lap 2 i think the 7th one of the drivers got inside her in turn 9 the left hander and it was a really rough pass and she ended up going back to 7th but they've worked on you know they've worked with Hannah and she's matured over the last couple of years not phased whatsoever 
put her head back down, and just started working her way forward, which I, which I thought was super impressive. She kind of fought her way back and decisive passes to get herself back to the front. And once she eventually uh, did get back to the lead, Dave, she just she pulled away. She didn't pull massively away, but had a nice cushion and ended up with a massive victory. And it's been a while since we've had a woman win on the Supercarts USA national level, whether it be the winter program or the, or the Pro Tour or the Supernats. And I think I, I, off the top of my head, I went back to Morgan Healy, in S2 at Modesto. I'm not sure if that's correct or not. You, you probably know that. But but for, for for Hurricane Hannah, a huge race win that's going to give her a ton of momentum and confidence rolling into 2020. Yeah, for Scusa Pro Tour, I believe that I think Morgan Healy was the last one. Am I right? Um, yeah. But yeah, for Scusa Winter Series, I think out of the last, what, three, th- two years now, three years, uh, I think she's the first female to win uh, yeah. at the Scusa Winter Series. So she has that. She's won I think so uh, last year. She got her first California Pro Kart Challenge victory last year. Yep. Um, so again, just taking those those steps, that driver development, uh, you know, getting, you know, getting that transition from junior to senior. She's, she's accomplished that. Getting that first regional win, she's accomplished that. Now getting that first notable major victory, uh, she's got that now. The next, the next check is is a pro tour victory. So that's the uh, pro tour, that's, uh, baby. Something that's that she'll be uh, striving for all season long for sure. Um, so I was going to okay. say the rain, Sorry. the rain, the rain shook up the the prefinals a little bit. Is that is that correct? Okay. A little bit. I don't think so. That it really that it didn't affect the second prefinal really at all. The first one it did. Um, Brandon Lemke was right in there, looked really good, in the, you know, in, in the rain early on. Because yeah, they were slipping and sliding around. They were ten seconds off the pace in the first prefinal, but at the end of the first prefinal, they were only a second off. So really, the you know the uh, the second prefinal was fine. I don't think it shook things up too much. Um, as I remember, nobody, I don't think anybody plummeted through the field. I don't think, but. You got to give it up to Gulick to being able to work. Well, with I, be- I believe Norberg had an issue that dropped him to well, 18th on the grid. Yeah, but let me tell you about that. Okay. That's where I'm going with right. that. So that's the that's the other cool story of the second the Sunday main for X30 X30. Norberg ended up getting a five second pushback bumper penalty because of the incident I talked about before. He was the guy that somebody locked up in front of in the prefinal pushback bumper activation. He ends up going five seconds back, and you know in a tight. X30 senior field, he ends up back finishing ninth in his pre-final. So ninth in his pre-final meant he was on the row nine. So he started 18th in the main event. Now they, the main events were also shortened two laps because of that rain. We tried to get ourselves back on time. So for so Norberg, how impressive it was, he started 18th, stormed all the way back through the 20 laps to be able to finish second, David. That was it was a it was a Norberg, it was an amazing Norberg run where he just Used the 18, you know, he went from 18 to second. So he passed 17 cars or 16 carts and put on a show coming forward and clean and no pushbacks and just decisive passes. It was textbook Ryan Norberg getting himself back in the fight because he will lead the points, I believe, coming out uh, of this weekend. Yeah. So two Norberg videos we definitely want to watch the, yeah, right? the Saturday main event and the Sunday main event. That's it. That's it. Uh, as I said before, uh, Louis Westover, super impressive again for Solo Kart USA to finish fifth, two top fives on the weekend. The other star was was, was Patrick Woods Toth, Saturday's winner. And, and I, I didn't pick this up. It, it's hard for me to see where they have me announcing, David. I'm on the ground level, and I can't see turn one or two and barely three because everybody stands. They have a tent right there inside of the side window. I, can, I can't see turn one at all, uh, turn one or two at all. But getting some information in the back – he eventually fell all the way back to 37th. There was an issue in turn number one at the start of the race. Patrick had to come to a full stop not to be in the wreck. 
spools things back up, gets rolling. He ends up being uh, falling all the way back to 37th position and then fought his way back up to 6th. That's another video I would like to see. He went from 37th to 6th. Even more impressive than the run by by Ryan Norberg because Woods Toth with that victory on Saturday is in the hunt for the championship. To be able to come back to 6th after being back all the way in 37th, if he does go on to win the championship, that'll be the turning point of the, of the program. And got the bonus points for fast lap of the race. That's it. Yeah, exactly that. Impressive run for him for sure. All right, X Dirty Senior was tremendous. Just great racing all around. Let's move to Pro. Uh, we'll, we'll blast through Pro Shifter and Pro Shifter Two. Four drivers in each category, and, and I, I won't waste too much time. I we'll just go through it. Really, it was a battle between Billy Musgrave and Kyle Wick the entire weekend long. Musgrave won the pole on Saturday. Wick wins the pre-final in the main. Uh, not surprising, David. <laughs> Billy Musgrave got the whole shot, <laughs> like he did on Sunday as well. <laughs> Wick, Wick chased them all all race long. Ends up making the pass on on lap uh, number sixteen, and from there he goes on to take the win, his first pro shifter victory. Right, uh, and, and and did a great job. Race Liberante moving up from pro two to the pro shifter category this year, struggling a little bit. Um, later, I saw him on social media saying that he, he think he was struggling with the new MG tire compound that's, that's come out. So. Found himself battling with that. He was fighting with the guys in the Pro 2 category. Escuza did a, a mixed start, as I said. Uh, he ended up in third, and Devin Smith-Harden was in fourth. On Sunday, it was all Wick. Qualified on pole. Won the pre-final. Again, though, Musgrave gets the whole shot in the main event, so Wick kind of settled in and chased him around. And, David, for the 20 laps, I think Musgrave had a half a second at one point you know, later in the race, but Wick just closed right back up. And, again, it was one of those deals. Last lap battle. Wick tried to move in turn nine, and that's after you go through the inner loop, the, the seven, eight corner, you come back to nine. He had a little look in nine, and it was one of those ones, Dave, I thought, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I thought he was, was going to ruin all his momentum. He got out of the corner well enough. Musgrave defended to the outside, down in uh, the inside, rather, during in, in turn number 12. And just like we saw before, Wick running the outside on the cushion, running the high side, able to beat him to the line by nine thousandths of a second. So even though Musgrave running the defensive line, the ability to go to the outside of the racetrack worked for Wick, and he went two for two in Pro Shifter. Well, this is, yeah, these were the first two victories for Wick in the IME SSE engine package. He yep. did win uh, S1 back at the uh, Phoenix Spring Nationals in 2018. So so that was his, yep. that's been his only uh, Pro Tour victory, uh, but he did as the Pro Tour champion from last year, uh, now picking up his first two. Scusa winter series victory. So uh, good for him, but he's definitely going to need to keep working on those starts. He is, but I will say this. He got good starts. He just didn't get Musgrave starts. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it, you know, there it, it's like, it's like a good start and a Ron white yeah. start, like back, back in the, the day. day, like that's how it used Agreed. to be. So. Agreed. Uh, Pro shifter two, uh, the second level category, four drivers there as well. Connor Tebby, the local driver for DCT racing on a cosmic qualifying on pole. Chente Salas from Temecula, California, the croc promotion driver for Musgrave Racing Company, ended up moving to the front in the pre-final, and he would hold that spot as well, led from start to finish. Actually was battling it out with uh, pro shifter driver Devin Smith-Harden for P3 overall for a majority of the race, and actually was able to get by on lap six. He finished third overall, Salas did. Uh, he's the winner of the Streets of Lancaster scholarship for, for this year. Uh, he ended up getting the win. Uh, Alan Isambard, one of the local drivers on a Rosa Corsa, I haven't seen one of those in a, in, a, in a while. Man, he had that thing dialed in. We'll talk more about him on Sunday for Sunday. 
Tebby had some issues in the pre-final. He ended up finishing third, and Baylor Griffin on a Tony cart rounding out the uh, the top four guys. On Sunday, as I said, the local driver, Alan Isambard, they had that uh, Rosa Corsa rolling nicely. He was They were both able to finish in front of Liberante, I believe, on Sunday. Uh, Isambard qualifies on the, on the pole. Salas comes back and wins the pre-final. They battled it out. Salas actually led the first half of the race, David, on Sunday in the in the Pro 2 class. Isambard, though, made a really good run coming out of 12 on lap 13, gets the pass done uh, in turn one. Salas goes back by him in turn number five, which is the hairpin, the right-hand hairpin. But at the end of the back straight, once again, Isambard decided to make it make it, uh, make it it happen for good. Got by to take the lead. Went on to the win. Uh, Salas ended up in second. Baylor Griffin up to third this time. Connor Tebby in fourth. Uh, something to note, Salas is, this is only his second event in the two semi-pro category. I know. Because again, last year ran all S3 uh, at the California Pro Kart Challenge, made his S his Pro Shifter 2 debut at the Super Nationals. So a really good start to the 2020 season for the Streets of Lancaster yeah. Grand Prix scholarship winner. But uh, good to see local drivers getting in there with Tebby and Isambard. So uh, uh, cool to see local local flavors in there. Uh, getting into the new uh, shifter card engine. Yeah, hopefully we'll see those guys come and run the Pro Shifter 2 class at the uh, Winter Nationals, the opening round of the Pro Tour on the second weekend of March. But yeah, I think Chet Salas is going to be a guy to watch in Pro 2 this year. I really do. I think he's going to have the pace to potentially uh, run. Uh, we know what he did at the Supernats, had a great run at the Supernats. I think he's got a chance to go for the title, believe it or not, uh, in Pro 2 this year. Folks, another quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to go X30 Junior, X30 Master, and G1. This is the first EKN debrief of the 2020 season. We're reviewing the Supercart USA Winter Series opener in Homestead. Back after this break, we'll continue on. The 2020 Supercart USA racing season is underway, and this year's Scusa Winter Series opener was a huge success. We had over 240 entries enjoy the Florida sun. We welcome everyone to come and join us on the February 7 to 9 weekend for rounds 3 and 4 at the AMR Homestead Miami Motorplex presented by MG Tires. We were thrilled to have the Margie Ignite Racers with us as well, and we expect even more drivers next month. Registration is now open. For more information, visit supercartsusa.com, and to learn more about the Margie Ignite program, check out ignitekarting.com. The Winter Series is the perfect tune-up for this year's Scusa Pro Tour, which fires up on the March 13th-14th weekend with the fourth running of the Winter Nationals. We're heading back to the Big Easy and the popular NOLA Motorsports Park. Keep an eye on Scusa's social media accounts to find out when registration opens. But for you West Coast Scusa racers, you need to get ready. Registration for the first round of the California Pro Kart Challenge at Button Willow on February the 29th and March the 1st opens on February 1. Scusa 2020 is off and running, and we'll see you at the track. The 2019 season marks the 20th anniversary for PSL Karting, North America's importer and distributor for the legendary Burrell Art brand. PSL Karting is your complete source for all things Burrell Art, providing this top quality product both through their expansive dealer network or through their own pslkarting.com online store. We have over 100 Burrell Art carts in stock at all times. We can provide you with a turnkey package with an IAMI, Rotax, Rock, or Briggs power plant, complete 
and ready to race. Whatever you need is available 24-7 at our online store, including parts and components, consumables like AMSOIL, Motul, and Rotax XPS engine oil, and Vroom lubricants, Micron data acquisition systems, and Unipro. And of course, driver safety gear from Bell, Arai, Freem, and Alpine Stars. Trackside, we're also the karting distributor for Bell Racing USA. Arrive and Drive programs, supported by PSL's experienced staff and our in-house engine program, are available for all major U.S. and Canadian events. When you're ready to win, call PSL Karting or visit one of our dealers. And as always, head to pslkarting.com. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, episode 61 of The Debrief. David Cole and I breaking down the uh, most recent race on the Supercarts USA Winter Series, the first event of 2020 for Supercarts USA. Uh, let's jump now into uh, the race report again, presented by Franklin Motorsports, X30 Junior. And David, you, I'm sure you said you watched a little bit on Race Hero. Um, you're going to, and everybody who's listening to this podcast, are going to hear a bit of a theme we got going here, and that's the fact that Andrea Kimi Antonelli, last year's uh, OK Junior champion in the WSK Euro Series, came over and I don't want to say dominated. He won every race. He was in a couple of battles, but he really just handled things. On Saturday, Antonelli running with Kart Sport North America on the Kart Republic uh, qualifying on pole, winning the pre-final. He led early coming out of the gate and was really never challenged uh, in the um, uh, in the in the in the main event. Uh, he, Alessandro Tullio uh, on the Xpre really wasn't challenged as well. He kind of ran second. The best battle really was for third. Uh, Lucas Steka was third for the first quarter of the race, but Paul Bocuse was the guy that I was watching. I had mentioned Paul in our EKN outlap and thinking that he was going to be good. He was running behind Jeremy Fletcher, P5. Then Fletcher made a move to get by Steko. Bocuse followed him through, and then Bocuse did that one more pass on lap number 19. Three laps to go at the end of that one. Turn number nine, made a move, and he worked his way to the podium. So the final was Antonelli with the win, the Tulio second, Bocuse, on the Red Speed, the new Red Speed chassis with uh, Speed Concepts Racing, Jeremy Fletcher ended up in fourth. And John Burke actually was able to come in late, David, to grab the final position in the top five. But the bottom line is, Andrea Kimi Antonelli, who, who had a couple issues at Supernats, or otherwise I think could have stood in the podium, the guy was just fantastic this weekend. Amazing. Yeah, it's something we talked about in the outlap. We knew he was going to be among the uh, the yeah. top contenders. We just weren't quite sure exactly what type of performance he would have. And obviously, he had uh, one to uh, to certainly kick off the 2020 season. Yeah, we won't drop. We won't hold it as a secret. He ended up winning all four races. He won both X30 Juniors and both K100 Juniors dominating the action. So uh, on Sunday, however, Alessandro Tulio stepped things up, David, and was able to qualify on pole. He wins the pre-final as well. Uh, Antonelli actually started third, but right to the lead. At the end of the opening lap, he was already in the lead, pulling away. Tulio settled comfortably into the second spot as well. He did fantastically. Uh, but again, Antonelli pulls away, ends up winning by 2.4 seconds. David, one of those races where a guy gets out to that gap and then just starts running good lap times. And really, it, it was every lap he was another couple hundredths of a second quicker you know you just not purple lap here purple lap there somebody else would get one deeper in the field but he kept going quicker and you know just a hundredth of a second at a time tenth of a second and as that card came in it just he managed the race completely it was it was a really really impressive run 
Yeah, a little bit like a machine. You just keep yeah. going out and making sure you're hitting the same lap time over and over again. And the, tr- the cart will come to you a little bit more and more as the race goes on. And uh, and that's essentially what you need to be able to uh, to win at this level. Yeah, really a perfect strategy, right? Here's what you do. Get out front, set your pace, go quicker and win. That's what he did. Uh, Detulio ended up second. Fletcher on the podium in third. Uh, Sasha uh, McGay, I got to work on this name. Sasha McGay from uh, PSL Karting on a Braille Art ended up in fourth. And Lucas Stako rounding out the top five. I do want to point out a fantastic run for John Burke. He went all the way back to 35th position and over the 20 laps was able to work his way up into 10th. A great run for John Burke on the Iron Rock Motorsports Tony Kart machine. Actually, no, he's running for Super Tune, I believe, this year. Yeah, Super Tune. Yep. Super Tune. Yeah, not Iron Rock. Um, Let's go to X30 Master. Uh, Only 11 drivers in the field, but we did have some tremendous racing. Although, just like they were kind of chasing. Antonelli in the junior categories. Renato Jadre-Davi, the reigning Winter Series champion and former Super Nationals winner, David, was the dominant driver throughout the weekend. Qualified on pole uh, for Saturday, won the pre-final, and essentially just made quick work of everyone and walked away in the main event. Uh, Miguel Mir and uh, Kim Carapaletti had a pretty good battle. Uh, Carapaletti actually ran second for the first 15 laps of the race, but Miguel Mir put a lot of pressure on him and finally late in the race made a good pass for second. So uh, the Texas Pro Car Challenge champion Miguel Mir on the Crosslink Competition Expre ends up finishing in the second spot. Carapaletti on the comp cart in third. Fourth, uh, Michael uh, Oriema on a Tony cart in the fourth spot, as I said. And uh, and Frank Runco rounding out the top five, uh, also in a Tony cart. Sunday's action, more of the same. Uh, Renato Jotter, David, P1, qualifying, won the pre-final. Though, in the main event, it wasn't quite as easy, David. Actually, better day for Adam Pettit on the solo cart. He was actually qualified well, came out of the gate strong, and actually led for the first 13 laps. Renato Jotter, David, had to get back up, uh, work his way close. I think, in fact, he might have fallen to third because he had to get by Miguel Mir first. Then he kind of slowly reeled in Pettit. Pettit held him off for a number of laps. But on lap 13, uh, David able to take the spot. Pettit holding on to second. I, w- I thought we were going to have a pretty inter- interesting run at the end. Danilo Romaljo had been ex- incredibly quick throughout the weekend, but it had some issues. He was a winner of one of the races last year. Um, started last, turning fast lap of the race, working his way forward. Eventually got by Miguel Mir. Closed right up on Pettit, but couldn't seal the deal. And in fact, over the last couple of laps, Pettit turned things up, was able to stretch away and gave himself some gap. Uh, Adam Pettit, second place for Solo Kart, their second podium finish of the event. Romalho on the Cosmic ended up in third, Mir fourth, and Sal Sparacil on the Sodi Kart in the, or rather on the Solo Kart in the fifth spot. So as I said, four top fives for Solo Kart on the weekend, two for Louis Westover and X30 Senior, a third and a fifth, and a second and a fifth for Pettit and Sparacil. Uh, in the uh, in the second event. So yeah, you know those guys are pretty excited. Solo Kart trying to take on the big dogs. They know the big 3. They're, you know, they're putting the target on trying to be and trying to beat the guys on the Tony Karts. And uh it's their program, it's their passion project. They've done a lot of work on it. Beautiful kart and uh, some great results this weekend as well. Yeah, and focusing on X30 Master and X30 Seniors kind of been what they've been doing for the last couple of years, you know, just focusing on yep. those two divisions. It's a lot easier to do it that way when when you have a, a, a bit of a plan and, and a, a strategy to kind of attack, as you said, the big guns that are out there as far as chassis brands. So uh, overall, good weekend. And again, the X30 Master, anybody can win those. Uh, uh, 
except for obviously this weekend with Renato Jotter David. He's just, <laughs> yeah. he was just, uh, he had a solid 2019 season and it uh, looks like it's continuing on early on into uh, January 2020. He was one of the guys to beat at the Super Nationals. Let's be real. It was Kip Foster, Matt Johnson, and Renato uh, battling it out for the, for the race win there. So you're not surprised that he would come in and do so well. All right, let's cap off this segment of the EKN debrief. I'll do a quick run over G1 because it was pretty much the same. There was actually two guys in G1 and two guys in G2. Justin Peck and Ken Schilling, both over 45 years of age, they could run G2, but they said, yeah, let's just all run together in G1. It worked out well for them. They were first and second in all the sessions. Peck with the win, swept the weekend. Schilling second in every session. Uh, On Saturday, Brandon Reed ended up finishing in third on the comp cart. And on Sunday, Anthony Stifler on the DR cart finishing in third behind Peck and Schilling and Reed was fourth. Okay, after this break, folks, we're going to come on back. We're going to talk uh, KA100 Senior when we get back and KA100 Junior as well. Stay with us. More to come here on the EKN Radio Network. Hi, EKN listeners. This is Jeff Wessel from Streeter Superstands. When it comes to lifts and stands for your carts and the largest selection of shop and trailer accessories, we know all about building and giving you the best. The Streeter Superstands crew has over 30 years of experience, are cart racers just like you, and know that the Streeter name stands for durability, affordability, and most of all, quality. We're the original and genuine manufacturer of Bigfoots and Stacker Stands, and we build them right here in the USA, along with our best-selling Streeter Superlift, upright stands, and an ever-growing roster of shop and trailer accessories to outfit any trailer or garage. While some guys pretend to be number one, we prove it every day, every race. Racers demand the best, and Streeter Superstand builds it. Check us out at StreeterSuperstands.com. When it comes to the best in lifts, stands, shop and trailer accessories, and all the cool necessities that make your race day easy and organized, it's all at StreeterSuperstands.com. We innovate, not imitate. Roll with the best right now at StreeterSuperstands.com. If the dream is IndyCar, set your target on the Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires. Our ladder system is designed to take drivers through three rungs of competition. The first step is the Cooper Tires USF 2000 Championship, which features a carbon tub Tatus chassis, 180 horsepower, and paddle shift sequential gearbox. Boost the USF 2000's output to 280 horsepower for the newly named Indy Pro 2000 program, the second rung of the Road to Indy, formerly known as Pro Mazda. Add in increased grip and aero downforce, and the Tatus PM18 becomes an incredible racing machine. The final step before IndyCar is the Indy Lights Championship presented by Cooper Tires. The Dallara IL15 boasts a whopping 450 horsepower. This car itself has helped train a third of the grid expected for the 2019 IndyCar series. At all three levels, you race at premier venues on the same dance card as IndyCar. Showcase your skills under the watchful eyes of IndyCar scouts and owners. The program is unprecedented around the world, offering the opportunity to climb the ladder with over $2 million in scholarships to the champions in USF 2000, Indy Pro 2000, and Indy Lights. Former Carters fill the roster of Road to Indy graduates in IndyCar, like Spencer Piggott, Zach Beach, Jack Harvey, Ed Jones, Mateus Laced, Felix Rosenquist, Colton Herta, and 2018 Indy Lights champion Pato Award. Recent graduates like Kyle Kirkwood are in the middle of their journeys right now as well. Follow in their footsteps. 
you want to race IndyCar, there's only one choice. The Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network. My name's Rob Howden, joined by David Cole. Episode 61 of the EKN Debrief as we start off the 2020 season with the Supercarts USA Winter Series, taking a deep dive into the racing that happened. It's a long podcast, folks. 13 classes to roll through. David, a couple of our favorites. We're really loving the competition that we've seen over the last two years in KA100 Senior and KA100 Junior. And I think the cool thing about KA100 Senior, last year was kind of, I don't want to say an afterthought, but you know, there's two people driving. It raced with juniors. This year, totally different. 15 drivers in Homestead. You throw Santino Ferrucci in there. Uh, you've got national number one plate holder, Austin Osborne. It was good racing. Yeah, always good racing with a 100cc category. Um, it was really cool to see the names that were there, as you said, with uh, uh, Pro Tour champion Osborne being there, uh, Santino Ferrucci in the field. Uh, last year's Scusa Winter Series champion Julia Booz in the field. Colton Ramsey was runner-up last year. He returned, so a lot of good drivers in the yeah. field. So two of the ones that I kind of, I kind of think were a little bit of a surprise for us, obviously Ferrucci coming out, we didn't know he was going to come until, until late. Nate Cicero ended up being really impressive running for Rawls and Performance Group. Ferrucci drops the hammer, though, in his Chris Rock Motorsports Swiss hot list. He throws the gauntlet down early, qualifies on the pole, and wins the pre-final. Really good racing with these guys, as we know, so close. Uh, in the main event, uh, actually, Austin Osborne jumped out to the early lead with Frucci kind of slotting into second, but Frucci wanted the lead. He felt comfortable out there. Lap four, he makes the move in the hairpin. He led until lap 15 because that's when Colton Ramsey was coming on, which I thought was exciting because talking to Colton on um, uh, on Friday, not overly pleased with where he and the crew from Innovative Performance were. He was he They were missing something with the carburetor. He said he was missing some stuff in the driving. Dude, they were eight tenths off. Uh, on uh, on Friday. They found what they needed to find, made the adjustment they needed to make, and laid it down. So he ended up going to the lead uh, on lap number 13, but Ferrucci was all over him. And this was, you know, this was going to be, I knew this was going to be a good run. 22 lapper. Ferrucci was right there. Here we go. Last lap. When is when is the leader going to go on the, the defense mode? Well, it came down to the turn number five. Ramsey tried to go to the, the bottom of turn five, and just a little wide at the exit, just enough for Ferrucci to come out of that right-hand hairpin, back to turn six, which is right there, left-hander. Ferrucci was alongside enough that he was able to take the inside run through turn seven and eight. Osborne coming through to follow him through as well and get the job done in nine. So Os- uh, so Ramsey goes from first to third in the last couple of laps. But uh, just a really good race, David. Ferrucci with the win. Osborne through to, to second. Wet. He was Osborne was actually backed by probably six or seven tenths of a second, but once Ramsey got defensive in four and five, Osborne was there, took advantage of that in, in turn seven and eight. He ends up finishing second, Ramsey third. Nate Cicero was a driver I thought was very impressive. He's a former junior champion from the Oakland Valley Raceway Park up in Cuddybackville, and uh, coming down to run with Rollins a performance group, got his feet wet, started getting comfortable by the end of Saturday. He takes fourth. He actually was able to go by Julia Booz, uh, to take the position. Solid top five. We'll talk more about Cicero later, David, because he stepped things up. But Ferrucci, a really good run, made that just a really textbook over-under move in the hairpin. I, I don't want to jump ahead, but it seems like the defensive lines is not working on the final lap, Rob. Is, is uh, that kind of the case? <laughs> really, you think? Uh, listen, Have I we'll, not said we'll defensive lines don't work? You won't, and listen, 
you figure you want to hope that the guys who are the pros will figure it out. We're going to talk about the fact that that when we get there, Sebastian Weldon was leading. Okay, great well, battle. Don't, don't in that ruin category, it. We'll, we'll get right? to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's just put it this way: he, he didn't run the defensive <laughs> line. Anyone? It's hilarious. Uh, going to Sunday, Osborne stepping it up and qualifying. He ends up P one. Ramsey had the speed as he did all weekend long. Once he got things dialed in, he wins the pre-final. Led the first five laps in the main over over Ferrucci, but then Ferrucci made the move by. But the guy to watch in this race is yeah. I think that the guys up front were figuring yeah we'll settle in. You know the guys we battled yesterday. We'll just drive, take it to the end of the race. Cicero turned things up. Only fifteen years of age. I think they wanted him to run junior still, but they, he's old enough fifteen that they had, they made him run senior. I think. Quickest driver on the racetrack. Julia Booz gets into second at one point behind Ferrucci, right? I want to say there might have been some contact between Osborne and Ramsey, I think, maybe. Whatever happened, they, they fell back a little bit. Booz running second. Cicero's on the move, though. He, he goes by Booz on lap number eight, takes second. Ferrucci had a bit of a gap at that point. Closed back up on uh, on Ferrucci. Makes the move for the, move for the lead on lap number 11. Everybody's kind of close at that point, but then he goes on. And ends up getting the win. A big victory uh, for, for Nate Cicero. He ends up with the win. Booz actually comes home to second. Ferrucci third, Ramsey fourth, and Osborne fifth. Put a new name of a kid in the hunt for KA100 senior. I hope we see him on the Pro Tour because I'll tell you, he shook some people up a bit, David. Cicero was impressive. Yeah, and that's what we're going to see with this category as as it moves along over the next couple of years is, is kids moving up. And might not be ready for X30 senior. So, hey, let's go to K100 senior. And and you're there to be able to learn that racecraft. And that's a big part of moving up from junior to senior is racecraft. Because as we said, you got to go up against these guys like Ryan Norberg and Brandon Jarzakrak and Christian Brooks and all these guys who have seen it and done it all. And so you got to learn that racecraft. And what better to do that in, in a K100 category where momentum is everything. And so, you know, just like we talked about back in the old days, you know, the Briggs Flathead used to be a great uh, program to be a part of. Now it's the Briggs 206. And now we got the K100 uh, cat, uh, engine package uh, that is allowing and helping to develop drivers even better. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, let's jump into K100 Junior. And it's the same thing, David. You're going to see drivers coming out of potentially Mini Swift who don't want to make the big jump to X30 Junior yet. They can jump into K100, just a little you know, a little more speed. And, and I think it works great for them. Great for guys coming out of Briggs, too. Uh, we've already talked about the fact that Andre Kimi Antonelli on the Kart Republic for Kart Sport North America was just dominant. They they had a really good time in, in K100 Junior because they were good. Uh, Antonelli wins the pre-final as well. Pulled away quickly and decisively in the Saturday main event for KA100. Really left everybody to kind of battle behind them. Christian Miles, actually, tremendous job. And remember, Christian, a rookie in the program and junior, coming up from the Mini Swift class. Uh, Miles was super strong all weekend, finished second uh, to Antonelli on Saturday, but a pushback bumper dropped him actually off the podium. That's how close they were. He went back to fourth. That moved uh, Brent Cruz up to second and Josh Pearson up to third. Cruz on the Cart Republic for Cart Sport North America. Pearson on the Cosmic for Rollis and Performance Group. Christian Miles on the Cart Republic ended up in fourth. And John Burke out of Texas on the Tony Cart uh, rounded out the top five. Kind of the same thing on Sunday, David. Really uh, almost a, a, you know, a, a replay of what we saw. Antonelli winning all three sessions again. 
Rubio Luengo stepped up early, though. They had a pretty good battle in the in the, at the start of the main event. Antonelli still led every lap at the line when they came back to the line, but a couple times Rubio Luengo took the lead somewhere in the middle of a lap, but on all the laps uh, on, on timing and scoring, Antonelli was P1. Eventually, once things settled down and he was able to get a bit of a gap, pulling away to an 8.2-second win. So the fight ended up being from second to fifth, and it was super close. They were literally separated by, I want to say, four, three to four-tenths of a second at one point. So you've got you know Miles, Rubio Luengo, uh, Cruz, Thomas Anunziata, all in this fight for the final positions on the podium. It was interesting. Cruz, at one point, uh, was in second. Rubio Luengo third, Miles in fourth. That's really the battle. Final lap, Miles goes by Rubio Luengo early in the lap, but he couldn't quite get Cruz, uh, but then tries an over-under at the at the final corner in the run to the line. Doesn't quite get it. Cruz ends up in the second spot. Miles third, Anunziata fourth, and Rubio Luengo back in fifth. Christian Miles threw everything you possibly could at Brent Cruz. But David, you've followed... I'm pretty much all of Cruz's races or the most of his races over his young career. He's really hard to face. You know what I mean? He's just so calm. So his emotions are so level that even though miles was throwing everything at him, Cruz was calm and was able to come away with the second spot. Yeah. Another driver who has done it all. Yeah. And he's only what? 11 now. Uh, amazing. <laughs> uh, Brent Cruz. Um, yeah, but miles is on the same pace, you know, miles now moving up into the junior ranks. Yeah. Uh, has is literally in the cart every single day that he possibly can, even when it's snowing on the ground. As long as the racetrack is clear, he's on the racetrack. Um, yeah, so it's great to see them battling it up. Uh, something we saw a couple years ago when they were in cadets again. So uh, uh, great to see that. Uh, you know, so we're going to see Miles up front uh, throughout the 2020 season. There's no doubt about that. Uh, great to see uh, Rubio Luengo back. Uh, raced in Europe a lot this past year. Uh, so great to see him stateside once again. And I did get conf- confirmation from Eric Jones at Cart Sport North America that Andrea Kimi Antonelli will be at Homestead in February. So he'll be going for another round of four victories there. Well, and here's another little note talking to uh, his crew there as well, the guys that came over with him from Europe. Uh, he was the OK Junior Champion in WSK last year, 14 years of age. He's going to senior racing as soon as they're done with the Winter Series as well. Gotcha. He's going to go run. He's running senior. So it should be interesting for sure. All right. Where are we here? Do another break. Let's actually, yeah, let's, let's do break. Uh, we've got two more breaks in the, in the show. Let's go for one more break. We come back. We'll wrap up the race report presented by Franklin Motorsports, Mini Swift, Micro Swift, Marge Ignite Senior, and Marge Ignite Masters. We'll, uh, we'll wrap up the race report segment after this break. Made in the USA. That's exactly what you get from Precision Karting Technologies. Based in Detroit, Michigan, PKT brings over 35 years of manufacturing experience to the sport of karting. Their passion for the sport began focusing around the kid kart platform and has expanded every year with hundreds of products designed to put you on the podium. Precision Karting Technologies is known around North America for their successful line of axles available in all age groups. PKT manufactures a number of engine products for Comer, IAMI, Rock, Rotax, and the popular Briggs & Stratton 206. A wide variety of chassis components for the many brands in the sport are available through PKT, including hubs, pedal risers, skid plates, and other hardware for your cart. Axle straightening, chassis adjustments, engine service, and specific CNC machining projects are available through their Motor City headquarters. 
To learn more about the many products and services available from Precision Carding Technologies, head to pktaxles.com. Cometic Gasket is a leading worldwide supplier of gaskets and engine sealing solutions for carding, automotive performance, power sports, original equipment, and the remanufactured engine industries. Cometic carting gaskets are available as OE replacement top-end kits or as individual gaskets and seals. Just like competitive carters, Cometic can operate on the fly and has the unique capability to customize any gasket to meet specific engine requirements and clearances. All of Cometic's fiber materials are asbestos-free and do not require any additional sealants. Viton oil ring cylinder head seals are used in each two-cycle kit, and Cometic's four-cycle engine kits feature only the most advanced multi-layer steel head gaskets. Cometic can tailor to engine builder-specific needs through bulk ordering and packaging flexibility. Cometic gaskets are must-haves for championship-winning teams across multiple disciplines of both professional and amateur motorsports. Cometic gasket sealing championships since 1989. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network. Rob Howden and David Cole. Deep dive here on the uh, Supercarts USA Winter Series program. David, let's jump into the Mini Swift category here. Um, getting right at it. Uh, Max Garcia was really super impressive coming out of the gate. I was super impressed with what he was able to do. He knows the racetrack. Former Micro Swift champion. Um you know, podium finisher at the uh, at the, uh, the Super Nationals. This guy knows how to get the job done. Wins the pre-final as well. Uh, pulled away early in the main event on Saturday in Mini Swift and actually built a pretty pretty good cushion, able to win by four seconds. A five-driver fight behind him for the final positions in the podium. Austin Jurors, Caleb Gaffer, a couple of second-generation drivers battling it out for second. But then Miguel Costa got into the fight, right? So Gaffera went to second. The interesting thing for me was – I thought Gaffera and Jurors probably could have worked together to, to potentially reel in Garcia, but they started battling David and there was still time to reel him in, but they were both running for second. So Gaffera goes to second at one point, Costa then eventually gets by Jurors, then he gets Gaffera and on the final lap, Caleb decides he's going to try to see if he can't make a move in turn number 10, super uh, low percentage move, gets to the inside, contact in 10, kind of climbed over top of him. Uh, probably should have waited for the run down to 12. The, those two drivers get together. They end up in the wall. That moved Jurs back to second and Mateus Orjuela up into the third spot. Tough to see it for both uh, both Gaffera and Costa. They deserve a sh- chance to go to the podium. And it's just a learning experience, right, David? You get guys that, that push too hard. Sometimes it's better to say, you know what? I'm third, the best I got. I'm going to take a shot at it later in the in the lap and, and not – not risk something low percentage like that. Well, that and the fact that they let the leader get away. That's that's another thing yeah. that you kind of have to look at is is you can't let a guy with the lead just get away without uh, without a challenge. Uh, you know, it's something we haven't seen a lot in the mini swift category because because a lot of times the drivers up front realize that and it's like you don't leave your wingman and you so you stay with the leader in order to be there at the end. Well, if the leader's got uh, what'd you say, five second, eight second lead, or however long. Well, at, at, at that at that point, it wasn't. Remember that that point, it was maybe a second, okay. second and a half. He ended up winning by four, but that was because the guys in second and third wrecked. Yeah, so, so a second, you know, you can get that in yeah. two to three laps, and and you're there. So, yeah. so again, that you know, drive the again, we're talking about kids, you know, under the age of twelve. 
they just have to 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 look back and and go you know luckily between homework sessions and and figure out hey don't let <laughs> yeah. the leader get away <laughs> well if you listen to my if you listen to the the play by play i was a little shocked myself that it was happening i wasn't pleased it just like i just didn't get it like what are you doing why are you i just said these guys have decided they're racing for second which was because Garcia wasn't that far out. I was very surprised. I thought they would have potentially worked together at least. Hey, at least work together for two or three laps to see if you can cut it down. Yeah, bit, yeah, right? they do, yeah. Um, I will say this: uh, the success on Saturday definitely played well for Austin Jers. I talked to his dad um, as well, Todd, after the races, and for for Austin, this is David. Every race is a new experience, right? He's learning so much every time. He'll be better when he gets back. He ends up qualifying on the pole on Sunday. Uh, pretty good run as well as uh, Sebastian Weldon, who finished fourth uh, on Saturday. Parker DeLong was fifth on Saturday. Weldon ends up coming to the forefront. This is where we're going to get into what I hinted on before. Weldon comes to the forefront, wins the pre-final. Through it, the entire race, Weldon was good. They he Again, another guy who's learning more, more confidence. His first big Scusa Winter Series race, right? He's getting into it, and, and running up front gives you confidence. Uh, Sebastian, did, he was first or second for the entire race on Sunday. Garcia led the first half, but Weldon was right there, just kind of parked on his uh, on the rear bumper, was comfortable, took over the lead on lap number 11, hand all, handled all the pressure because last lap, David, top five carts, absolutely nose to tail, but Weldon did not leave the race line. He did not run the blocking four. He did not run the block into turn number five. By not doing that, he was able to run the full wide sweep through seven and eight, ran the race lap, the race line the whole time, didn't lose any pace whatsoever. So the guys behind him started to get aggressive. Costa and Garcia ended up, ended up getting together in turn number eight. That allowed uh, Elio Mesa and Austin Jers to come through for second and third. Just a textbook run. You hope you hope the big guys do it, but to see the but to see Sebastian uh, Weldon do that in Mini Swift and not screw it up and stay strong and understand his pace was good. A well-deserved victory for him, no doubt about it. It was big. Yeah, Weldon has a lot of laps around around Homestead. Garcia does, being his home track as well. So uh, two home drivers uh, getting the victories there. So maybe they understood the fact that you don't block uh, on the last lap at Homestead. Uh, because, yeah, yeah, maybe some other tracks you might get away with it. But it seems to be at Homestead you don't block on the last lap. No, it's no, not at all. It reminds me of the Supernational track, right? Same kind of thing. Um but again, great racing for sure. Weldon ends up with the win. Elio Mesa on the FA cart in second. Jers on the Merlin third. Garcia fourth. Championship battle still going to be really tight. And uh, and Miguel Costa on the cart Republic rounding out the top five. Into Micro Swift. Uh, 19 drivers, I believe, in the field for Micro Swift. Uh, Kai Johnson and Oliver Weldon, two of the drivers we watched battle it out throughout the weekend. They were kind of, you know, the two drivers were able to pull away each race. Johnson qualified on the pole on his FA cart. Uh, Weldon and the Cosmic able to move to the forefront and win the pre-final. Johnson and Weldon really pulled away with each other, as I said, in the main event. Uh, Johnson ended up, Johnson ends up with the on-track victory. I didn't get a chance to see the video, but he was given a three-second blocking penalty. So that moved Oliver Weldon to the win. Johnson got second. Jackson Pearsall did a great job to run the fourth. Uh, Jack Iliff, national number one plate holder last year's Pro Tour champion, was actually fourth on the racetrack. But he got penalized while racing for avoidable contact with James Moss, fellow Texan. Uh, both those drivers at Iron Rock Motorsports on Tony Karts. Moss ended up going to fourth, and Iliff ended up uh, finishing in the fifth position. All in all, Johnson and Weldon, though, David, super impressive out of the gate. And Jack Iliff right there as well. He's got good speed. Didn't quite have it to run up front, 
but still had good pace and good racecraft. Well, it, it shows that the uh, the micro category in 2020 is going to be pretty pretty amazing because you got your Scusa Pro Tour uh, champion there back in fifth after the penalty was was handed down. But uh, Kai Johnson going to be solid all year coming off the Rock the Rio victory. Uh, and, and then a second generation driver with Oliver Weldon there, uh, Lionheart Jr., I believe, or, or something, yeah. what they call them, uh, the, the, the duo. <laughs> uh, so cool to see that. And then, and then Moss picking up the pace and, and then, uh, Purcell, uh, in the mix as well. Yeah. Cool to see the both Weldons get race wins. I'm sure that'll help the, the, the momentum for them as well. Sunday, it was all Johnson. Qualified pole, wins the pre-final, won the main event as well. He and Weldon again able to pull away, but Johnson going green to checker with fastest lap of the race. Weldon second, Ilef third, Salvador De La Vecchia in the uh, the fourth spot, and Asher Osteen rounding out the top five. Moving now to Margay Ignite. Let's cap off this edition of the podcast here. Uh, senior drivers putting on a great show. Alexander Searle, really seven drivers in the lead group. Alexander Searle ends up winning on the pole. He wins the pre-final. The main event, though, uh, lead battle, seven drivers, as I said. Ferrucci was in the fight. Uh, you know, Perkins was there. Skolnick, Chavez, Stommer. It was just some great racing. But in the end, it came down from some back and forth racing that it was actually Ferrucci and 54-year-old James Perkins. James decided he was going to come over to race, brings his son Jed with him. They want to race together. I talked about it in the outlap that I thought it was his actual brother Jed. It was actually James' son Jed, named after his brother, uh, they were coming to a father-son deal and race together. James could easily have run the Masters category. He's 54, but he decided he was going to run senior, and he put everybody on notice. Uh, essentially, right there with him, tried everything on the final lap. Ferrucci ran the inside line coming down, in uh, actually the middle line, to be honest, coming down into to the final corner. Perkins went way wide, couldn't really do the over-under. So Ferrucci gets the win on the racetrack, but in the end, Scuso, using their video marshalling system, giving him a blocking penalty. It dropped him actually down to fourth. Perkins ends up taking the win. Zach Skolnick in second. Gabby Chavez uh, in third spot. Ferrucci fourth and Evan Stommer rounding out the top five. Moving to Sunday, 54 years old. You win the first race. What do you do? Qualify on pole. (laughs) James Perkins. Pole to start the day on Sunday. Ferrucci ends up in second. In the main event, though, you know, it it was basic ignite racing at the start. Those seven drivers kind of working together. But over the second half of the race, Gabby Chavez kind of found himself to the lead. A little bit of contact between Perkins and Skolnick dropped them out of the lead group, so kind of down to four at one point, three or four at one point. Chavez ended up with the lead, Ferrucci and Stammer. That was the group, the lead group down the the, the back straightaway. Ferrucci with the lead. He defends on the last run down the straight. Chavez, though, let's say Ferrucci was defending, but there's room down the straightaway. Chavez goes all the way to the inside, and they're side-by-side, professional drivers leaning on each other, right? They're, they're pushing on each other hard, coming out of 12. Chavez gets the win, but while they're doing this, Stammer does the over-under and actually doesn't beat Chavez, but he was able to beat Ferrucci to the line. So as they cross, Chavez with the win, Stammer second, and Ferrucci in third. Less than a second back was Jed Perkins watching. Stammer did the over-under to grab second, but they, they hit him with a jump start penalty. I didn't get a chance to see it, but he got a jump start penalty, dropped him to fifth, so Jed Perkins moves on to the podium in uh, in fourth spot. Uh, Alexander Searle actually ends up fifth, fifth, and Stommer in sixth. Great racing. I love Margie Ignite racing, David. The two cycle stuff. I mean, the two cycle stuff is great, but the four cycle stuff that close together and those guys trusting each other, leaning on each other to see to see Chavez and, and Ferrucci. 
carts totally wiggling left and right. You know, they're, they're just wheeling it, get around that corner, up and over the curbing. It was awesome to watch, for sure. Well, Stommer started on the outside of the front row, so obviously he had There's to have been ahead of Ferrucci there as a green flag wave, so that should have been the jump start. Um, and I, could, I couldn't see it because of the 8 million people that were standing between me and turn one, so I didn't even <laughs> see the start. I couldn't see what happened. But it's really so, yeah. inter- it's interesting to see the the dynamic of the top fives. You got two professional racers in Ferrucci and Gabby Chavez. Yeah. You have a veteran driver, Margay driver, James Perkins. You have an entrepreneur with Zach Skoldnick. <laughs> and then and yeah. then two young drivers that are are looking to make names for themselves with Evan Stommer and Alexander Searle. Uh yeah. pretty cool. Uh that's again, that's the that's the Ignite program. It the ability to bring all these backgrounds and and experiences together and race for a victory that's that's what it's about that's a great point david the cross-section of the drivers you see in that program the margate knight have, have they you know they pulled gabby chavez out connor daly raced at the battle of the brickyard uh, zach veach raced in daytona a lot of these guys that have karting backgrounds are running indy car and sports cars they love to come out and play and it's just such an easy program they know they're not going to beat by equipment they know they're going to get a chance to run on a level playing field beauty of Margay Ignite. Let's uh, quickly blast through Margay Ignite Masters, a good field. Dan Breitenstein, the guy I said we talked about the preview in the Outlap Preview Podcast, he was going to be one to beat. I was right. Knows the racetrack, running with Ricer Racing. Dan Breitenstein ends up sweeping Saturday's action, qualifying pre-final, final, classed the field, kind of walked away, and actually, even with the split start, was going through some of the slower senior drivers to build his gap. Um, Tim Hannon ended up in second. A veteran driver had a chance to race against Tim at the Battle of the Brickyard. He was P2. Vince Carey, a great run to third. Pete Vetter and Nick Totenhop ended up fourth and fifth. On Sunday, almost exactly the same. Breitenstein wins the the uh, qualifying, wins the pre-final. But Frank Sapulo, right there with him, another his teammate at Rice Racing, staying with him. They start working through lap traffic, David. You know, they're picking off one at a time. Breitenstein was able to make a couple of moves. Sapolo got held up, and there's two guys between them. So Breitenstein's pulls uh, probably three or four seconds. Got a good gap, but Sapolo doesn't quit. Keeps digging. Finally gets through. And I asked Dan. I didn't see what happened because I was watching the race at the end. Dan said, last couple laps, I wanted to make make sure I didn't make many mistakes. I kind of backed up, backed up a little bit. Well, Sapolo was putting his head down. And on the final lap through seven and eight, caught him made a dive bomb move into turn number nine, the left-hander. They made some significant contact, two teammates. Dan said, I was, I made a mistake, and uh, and Frank was coming after me. There was contact, but it was a good pass. So Pulo gets him on the final lap, gets the win. Breitenstein takes second, handing on the podium again in third. Totenhap fourth, and Pistol Pete Veteran fifth. Just goes to show you, you've got to race all the way to the checker flag. Yeah, that's always key uh, in racing. That's... You know, you always talk about drivers with big leads, take it easy. Well, you don't want to take it easy. You want to stay in that consistent rhythm, yes. always running that that same lap over and over again. It might be a 10th off, you know, your qualifying lap, but hey, just just keep dropping the hammer to where you know you're you're comfortable. Maybe at 98%, not quite 110, but maybe at that 98 to 99% <laughs> right? factor. Give give yourself a little bit of an inch uh when you come out of the corners there. That's it. That's it. All right, folks. Final break in the action here on the EK and Debrief. David Cole and I talking about the opening round of the Super Carts USA Winter Series. After this break, we'll wrap things up and we'll have a look at the EKN Trackside Live Race Calendar for 2020. You've heard and read about us. We are the Rawls of Performance Group. We race to win. 
Our senior program is the best in the sport, and we have the Scusa Pro Tour X30 Senior Championship to prove it. Our coaching staff includes four-time Scusa National Champion Ryan Norbert, three-time Scusa Supernats winner Bonner Moulton, Scusa Pro Tour X30 Junior Champion, 2015 Rotax Grand Finals Vice Champion, and Junior Development Specialist Luke Selkin, and our hands-on owner, multi-time champion, and IKF Duffy winner Mike Rollison. This isn't sideline coaching. We're on track, and we dogfight with you. It's like nothing you've ever experienced. You learn more and more with every single lap. Our seniors win races, like Hannah Greenmeyer at the Scusa Winter Series opener in Florida. And they win because they've been trained, coached, and honed by our RPG staff. Hurricane Hannah is proof positive. If you're a mini driver ready to move up, or a junior driver who's done with running mid-pack, join the team that will develop your skills and take you to the podium. At the Rawlison Performance Group, we turn juniors into pros. In 2020, we'll be racing at the Scusa Winter Series, Pro Tour and California Pro Kart Challenge, the Florida Winter Tour, and the United States Pro Kart Series, as well as the IKF Northwest Region. If you want to fight for championships or want to improve your skills and your chances to win, the answer is to call RPG at 503-260-4514. We're the Rawlison Performance Group. We race to win. As a world leader in personal racing safety products with a sales and service staff and dealer network unmatched in motorsports, Simpson Performance Products is now the official North American distributor for Stilo helmets. In addition to their wildly popular auto racing helmets, Stilo is extremely excited to have made their move into the karting community with a pair of stellar options. Stilo has two helmets designed and manufactured specifically for karting. The Stilo ST5 CMR 2016 for kids and the Stilo ST5 Kart Snell K 2015 adult karting helmet. The company's karting helmets are directly derived from Stilo's auto racing helmets that are so popular at the top levels of racing. Drivers rave about the superior comfort levels as well as Stilo's lightweight construction and unparalleled field of vision, a crucial attribute for karting. For more information on Stilo, check them out at simpsonperformanceproducts.com slash Stilo or by following them on social media at Stilo USA. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network. Let's wrap things up here on the EKN Debrief as David Cole and I taking a deep dive into the Supercarts USA Winter Series opening round at AMR Homestead Miami Motorplex presented by MG Tires. I'll just kind of wrap things up, David. Truly great racing. Man, it was awesome to be back at the racetrack after six weeks on the couch. Uh, Supernats <laughs> were great. I was, dude, I was getting, I was getting antsy. It was good to get back in the mic. I felt good. Track, it was good to be back, back at the track. I wish I would have been driving something. I was a little jelly with the guys in Margay, and you would have been too if you were there because you do a lot of Margay night racing. I, I was, am, I am yeah. after the race report you just gave. Yeah, I'm a little, exactly. I would love to have been out there. Uh, Huge wins for Patrick Woods-Toth and Hannah Greenemeyer and X30 Senior. I think both of those drivers, I hope to see them on the Pro Tour, but for both of them, big wins that will give them the momentum and confidence they need. Uh, Andre Kimi Antonelli, absolutely dominant in the junior categories. After winning the WSK junior title last year, he's going to go senior racing this year. I think we'll all kind of keep an eye on to see what he does this year with Kart Republic. Margay Ignite program, an absolutely huge success. Uh, strong numbers, great racing, excellent addition to the Winter Series. 
And it's the start of their Ignite Majors, David. They're uh, going to have another one here. Then we've got Quincy. I think we may be going to Quincy this year. We'll see. At least I might be. we got the Battle of the Brickyard. Um, all in all, a great weekend to start off this year's Supercarts USA Winter Series. Record numbers as well at 241. We'll see if we can keep it going. Normally, it's a bit of a drop-off for the second race, as we know. Let's see what we do for uh, for the next event. But otherwise, an awesome race, David. All around, just an awesome weekend to get down there. I know you're excited to get out to Tucson. Season's underway. I was I was thrilled to be at the track. Yeah, nice of you to go to the racetrack without me. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, it's been since Supernat. So uh, the itch is here. Uh, the family is really getting tired of me. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to uh, to escaping yep. uh, the cold weather. Thankfully, it hasn't been a bad weather. Like, I've only shoveled a it few hasn't. times. So it's been good. Yeah. Um, so I don't quite have the Beat Rob Howden 2020 workout routine going yet. That's it. Uh, yeah, that's the right. only downside to no snow. But um, you still eat hey, you still eating your ice cream? Not so much ice cream. It's more chocolate because we have a lot of the holiday candy sitting around here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it All sounded right. like it was an amazing event, uh, one to be at. And I'm sure February is going to be just the same. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped to, to get back down there in February to see who wins these championships. All right, folks, let's cap things off. We'll have a look at our EKN live race calendar. Uh, for 2020. Again, uh, our entire tour presented by Cooper Tires. Great to have them back on board. Uh, This look at the calendar and what we've got coming up presented by Leading Edge Motorsports. Leading Edge Motorsports is the industry answer to winning in karting. At the helm is industry veteran Greg Bell, who has orchestrated the success of countless drivers dating back to the mid-90s. Most recently, Greg and his Leading Edge Motorsports staff guided Danny Formal to victories at both the Rock the Rio and the Supercart USA Super Nationals in Las Vegas. Leading Edge Motorsports is the West Coast dealer and factory team for IP Karting, which manufactures the ultra-competitive Praga and Formula K chassis brands. Visit LeadingEdgeMotorsports.com for more info or find them on Facebook and Instagram. At Leading Edge Motorsports, winning never gets old. All right, David, let's cap it up. We've got two events coming within the next uh, 30 days, month, January 24, 25, 26. As we said, you and I getting back together. We're heading to Arizona, Musselman Honda Circuit in Tucson for the opening round of this year's Challenge of the Americas. Always awesome to go out and, and, and hang out with uh, Andy Saisman and the family. Racing was great last year. We're expecting some really good numbers in the Rock program here in 2020. Yeah, I got uh, early word that numbers are near the 100 mark, so that's good. And I'm sure we're going to have a lot of at-track entries uh, for the weekend. So hopefully we'll get up to the 130 mark, uh, if not more. Uh, when we get to Tucson. Uh, From there, um, uh, Alicia and I will be back on the road again, February 7th, 8th, and 9th. We're heading back down to the Scusa Winter Series finale, as we talked about at AMR Motorplex in Homestead. We'll be down there for the the rounds three and round four. And then after that, I guess, David, we'll head back to the next Challenge of the Americas race before we start going to some different programs. you got USPKS coming up. we got other stuff, but uh, round two of the Challenge of the Americas, we're going to Cal Speed in late February. That'll wrap things up. Yeah, hopefully that'll be a warm one. Won't be rain there. Uh, you know, no, who knows what we're going to get no. in Tucson because Tucson, we've, we've seen snow there <laughs> That's before. True. That's true. Uh, not necessarily snow, but freezing water. <laughs> make sure that, hey, if you're listening and you're going to Tucson, whatever happens, look at the weather and make sure that you drain your radiators, right? My yeah. God. We were 20, it was sure. 27 degrees the one year when we were there. In the That's, morning. Uh, it's unreal. Last year, last year was good weather. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't have to worry about the radiator stuff there, but uh, yeah, looking forward to going back to Tucson. One of the amazing 
racetracks to to be at and to watch racing uh, unfold there. Again, it. blocking is not always the best way to go at uh, at Tucson. Uh, sometimes True. it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, so, and David, uh, we don't have to worry about people standing in front of me uh, when we're calling the race, right? Because it's one of the coolest no, just, announcing towers in the sport. <laughs> yeah, it's up there. It's high. Um, There's not a lot of room, so you do bump your knees up up and down a little bit. But uh, yeah, one of the best views that we have. It's like being yeah. in a lift, but with air conditioning and, and windows. And Shelby. And Shelby. Of course, Shelby. <laughs> That's it. That's it. All right, folks, we're done. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the EKN Debrief. We wrapped up the opening round of the Supercarts USA Winter Series. Big thank you to the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy, our presenting sponsor of this particular podcast. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in here on the EKN Radio Network. If you haven't downloaded the EKN Radio Network app, do it. iTunes, Google Play. We're also available on Podbean and Spotify. Thank you so much, folks. On behalf of David Cole, my name's Rob Howden. Bye for now. Bye for now.